It's Sunday, February the 21st, and we want to welcome you to the Winkler-Berktaller Mennonite Church service. The days are getting longer, and yes, the days are getting warmer. And we are excited that you have joined us for a time of worship and praise unto the Lord. This morning, we want to focus on authentic prayer, found in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 15. So we welcome you to this special time of worship together. Welcome to our service. We're glad that you've joined us. We are so fortunate that we've been able to have our services online for these past number of months when we were not able to meet due to restrictions uh, uh, resulting from COVID. Well, the restrictions have relaxed a little bit, and we are now allowed to have up to 50 people in our building. So we will continue to record our services and have them available for viewing online and on TV, as we have been doing. But starting today, we will be offering two services on Sunday mornings, uh, one at 9.15 and the other at 11 a.m. So if you're interested in coming to one of these services, please uh, call Susan at the office and make those arrangements, uh, because we are limited to how many people we're allowed to attend. So give Susan a call. Um, There is more information in the bulletin. If you have your bulletin, you can uh, take it. And on the bottom of page 3 of the bulletin, there is uh, more information about that. And also on the top of page 4, there is information regarding the use of our church building. So I won't take the time to read through that now, but please read through that on your own. Uh, Just to highlight a few other things in the bulletin, Uh, We have one person in the hospital, Tina Hildebrandt, at Swan Lake. Our missionaries of the week are Preston and Myra. And we have a note of thanks there from uh, Elsie Rempel and her family. So take note of that and let's continue to to remember her and her family. And I'll ask you to read the, uh, the rest of the announcements in the bulletin on your own. Today is the first Sunday of Lent. Lent is a period beginning 
from Ash Wednesday, which was this past Wednesday, until the Thursday before Easter. Many people use Lent as a time of prayer and fasting in preparation for Easter. In this past week, I saw that my aunt had posted something on Facebook regarding um, something that she had found a while back regarding fasting, and uh, fasting during Lent, actually. And it reminds us that there is more to fasting than just food. And so I asked her permission to share it here, and I'd like to do that now. This is how it goes. Fast from hurting words and say kind words. Fast from sadness and be filled with gratitude. Fast from anger and be filled with patience. Fast from pessimism and be filled with hope. Fast from worries and have trust in God. Fast from complaints and contemplate simplicity. Fast from pressures and be prayerful. Fast from bitterness and fill your hearts with joy. Fast from selfishness and be compassionate to others. Fast from grudges and be reconciled. Fast from words and be silent so you can listen. I also was looking for some uh, scripture reading that uh, I could use, uh, or some scripture readings for Lent, something that I could use this morning. And one of the suggested readings that I found was in Psalm 51, verses 1 to 12. So I'd like to use that as an opening scripture this morning. So Psalm 51, verses 1 to 12. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Let's bow to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God who loves us with an unfailing love. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Father, we are so undeserving. Thank you for Jesus, for the assurance we have that our sins are forgiven 
because he was willing to go to the cross in our place. And Father, in this season of Lent, we ask that you would help and guide each of us as we prepare for Easter. We ask for your continued comfort and strength for Elsie Rempel and her family after the passing of her daughter. And we pray this also for others from our church and also from our community who have lost a loved one in recent months. We ask that you would carry them through these difficult days. We bring before you those who are dealing with health concerns, whether at home or in the hospital. You know each situation. You know what the needs are. We thank you for being present with each one, and we ask for healing. As we continue to deal with the pandemic, we ask that you would grant wisdom to government leaders and health officials as they make decisions to help navigate us through this time. And we take comfort in knowing that you are ultimately in control. We thank you for each of the missionaries that have gone out from our church to serve you. Today we pray for Preston and Myra Wheeler. We thank you that despite the restrictions resulting from COVID, they've been able to adapt their ministry and continue to share the gospel in different parts of the world. We pray that you would continue to guide us as a church. As we seek to be faithful to you, we pray for your guidance for our pastors and also for those in leadership. As Pastor Dean brings the message this morning, grant him the words to say and give us ears to hear what you have to say to us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Uh, so glad you could join us this morning. Uh, this is our hymn sing time, and we ask that you join us, and the words will be on your screen. Uh, please sing along. First song is Holy, Holy, Holy. Holy, holy, holy. 
Savior is Jesus. 
Jesus, my Lord, a wonderful Savior to me. He hideth my soul in the cleft of a rock, where rivers of pleasure I see. He hideth my soul in the cleft of a rock, that shadows a dry, thirsty land. He hideth my life in the depths of his love and covers me there with his hand and covers me there with his hand. A wonderful Savior is Jesus my Lord. He taketh my burden away. He holdeth me up and I shall not be moved. He giveth me strength those my day. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock that shadows a dry thirsty land. He hideth my life in the depths of his love and covers me there with his hand and covers me there with his hand. With numberless blessings each moment he crowns and filled with his fullness divine I sing in my rapture everyone. I'm so thankful to be able to be here with you again today, and I can't wait to continue on with the story that we started last week. But first, I wanted to show you a little bit about our life. As you might know, we are missionaries in the Philippines with my husband Donovan and our kids that grew up there. And one of the great things that we get to experience with being missionaries is that we get to fly in a helicopter. Now, it's really cool because we can't drive there, and Walking there would take us a very long time, and it would be really hard. And then we can take a boat, but they are um, 
there's a lot of sharks in the water. And so that's not always a fun option either. And so what we do is our mission has a helicopter. And when we need groceries, we call them and we say, here's our list of groceries. And someone goes and picks them up. What a hard job I think that would be. But they get our groceries for us and then they send them in on the helicopter. If there's mail that maybe some of you might send and it comes on the helicopter too, it's always a very exciting day when the helicopter comes. And then even better is when if someone's sick. Then we call the helicopter pilot and we say, is there any way you can come and pick us up? And they do their very best to be able to come and help us and get us to the doctor or maybe even some of our tribal friends, um, they take them to the doctor too. And so we're very thankful for our helicopter pilots and thank you, thankful for the helicopter that we get to ride. And I thought it'd be really fun for you guys to see what a little bit of our helicopter ride might look like. It takes us about 20 minutes to ride. And so this is just the very end of our trip and we're flying over the deep jungle and then we're just getting to the coast and it's so pretty, especially on a big sunny day like this was. And so I'll let you see what it's like. Um, hang on, because it's going to get very fast. our home and you can see in the corner there's people there to meet us and then we're home isn't that neat so our story was also about missionaries last week and if you remember their names were tim and bunny and they lived with the punami people and they were there to to tell them about jesus just like we live with the object to share jesus with them now back to our story so as you might remember, our story is about Tim and Bunny, and they lived and with the Punami people of Colombia, and they were there to share Jesus with them. And you might remember that, oops, there we go. You might remember that uh, Tim wasn't feeling very good, so he was laying in his hammock, and they were just, uh, and Bunny, I think, was doing some language study, and all of a sudden there was a knock at the door, and it was these men, and they took them captive. Do you remember that? It would have been a very, very scary thing to have happen, have those guns pointed at you. And so uh, Tim and Bunny were held inside their house. And you might remember that that night they were having um, the men uh, made them call on the radio and call for their, their airplane to come and pick them up because Tim was sick. And that was something that Tim and Bunny did not want to have to have happen. They didn't want the pilot and the plane to get mixed up in this situation and that night, they were really worried. And you might remember that they kept um, thinking about the one verse in the Bible that was encouraging them. And it was found in Romans 8, chapter 8, verse 28. And it says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. And they said that verse over and over again to themselves. And finally, they said, God, we don't understand it, but we believe that you are in control. And that's um, where we left off as they were scared about waiting for the airplane to land. So anyway, this is the next day. And uh, this is Paul and Steve. And they were pilots with New Tribes Mission in Columbia. Paul had been a jungle pilot for a long time. And recently he had been teaching Steve how to land on airstrips carved out of the jungle. It was Saturday, and the two men were getting the airplane ready. They were going to fly to the Punavi village where Tim and Bunny Kane lived. 
Tim had called for an airplane to come get him because he was sick. Paul almost told Steve to go alone this time because Steve was doing a great job of flying and the chance to go alone would be a good experience for him. But the last minute, Paul decided to ride along. Meanwhile, for the first time since Steve had come to Columbia, he didn't want to fly. He had been away from his family too much lately. Here it was another Saturday and he wanted to finish making a dollhouse for his daughter's birthday and help his son with a fork. But in the end, Steve too decided he needed to make this flight. And what a glorious morning it was. The plane cruised along with Steve at the controls and Paul beside him reviewing buddy Bible study notes. They dropped off mail and some food to some missionaries along the way and then flew on to the Panavi village. But just as they got close enough to see the village, a thunderstorm suddenly moved in like a solid black wall. They could see palm trees down below bent over double from the wind. How on earth was Steve going to land? Maybe he should just turn around and go back. But no, Tim was sick and needed their help. Paul, as the experienced pilot, says, looks like the only way to land in this is to come in with the wind behind us. You're going to have to use everything you know to land this one. And he slid his seat up to help as Steve's co-pilot. The storm is fierce and Paul and Steve are concentrating so hard on landing safely that Paul forgot about something. He forgot to look for the village signal showing whether or not it was safe to land. The plane bounced and pitched in the wind, but finally they were safe on the ground. Phew. Steve let out a long sigh of relief, and Paul praised him on his good landing as the plane rolled to a stop. Finally, Paul looked out to the village. Finally, Paul looked up at the village. Man, this doesn't feel right, he said, frowning. Usually there were Punavis around the landing area. Today, nobody was there, not even Tim or Bunny. That's strange, since Tim had called for the plane. Then Paul saw the gorillas moving towards them from front and behind. The gorillas looked scary with their long, tangled hair. They carried guns and hand grenades hanging from their belts. The gorillas ordered the pilots to get out of the plane. You're our prisoners, the gorilla told them. We want you to take two of our men to another airstrip. If you help us, we will let you go. Does it take two pilots to fly the plane? Steve spoke up quickly. It makes it easier... Meanwhile, Paul was thinking, Steve doesn't want to fly alone with these fellows, and if he has to fly over a part of the jungle where he hasn't been, he will get lost. Besides, it sounds like they just want the plane and a pilot. If they get that, maybe the gorillas will let the other one go. By now, Paul was sure that Tim and Bunny already had been taken captive. Steve's a new pilot. I'm the senior pilot, so I'll take the plane, Paul volunteered. Get in the plane then. Uh, where are we going, asked Paul. I have to make sure we have enough fuel. Well, how much fuel do we have? Two hours worth. That's plenty. Come on, let's go, commanded the gorilla leader while pointing his gun at Paul. Paul climbed into the pilot's seat. One gorilla crowded in behind him and another sat beside him with a gun barrel pressed against Paul's right side. Paul was just in, ready to reach into his pocket for the key when he felt as if God stopped him and gave him an idea. Leaning out the window, he spoke to Steve. Hey, Steve, I need the keys. Steve gave Paul his keys without a word, but he knew that Paul already had his own keys in his pocket. Paul put the key in the ignition and then paused. Come on, growled the gorilla beside him. Calmly, Paul said, I always pray first. Well, go on. Paul chose to understand that as meaning go on and pray, so he prayed. Father God, we place this flight and our lives into your hands. Amen. No one stopped him. Outside, one of the gorillas said to Steve in surprise, Hey, he's praying. As Paul turned the key in the ignition, he looked at Steve. Steve gave Paul a thumbs up of encouragement as the airplane rolled away. Steve watched as the plane flew into the sky. Then the girls made him walk towards the village path. 
The walk into the village with guns pointed at Steve's back seemed so long. But during that time, a verse came to Steve's mind. Lord, you give true peace. You give peace to those who depend on you. You give peace to those who trust you. The gorillas were proud to leave Steve into Bunny's house. After all, they had just captured an airplane and two pilots. Tim and Bunny just had their, hung their heads. Big tears rolled down Tim's cheeks. Why did you land? Why? was all Tim could say. Well, don't blame yourself, Steve, Steve murmured. You tried to let us know there was something wrong. God, well, maybe God wanted us to land. The gorillas stuck Steve in another room, but they soon had to change that. The Punavis had not been saying anything, but they were angry at the gorillas, and now they spoke up for Steve. You say you're good people, but look how you're treating these missionaries, the Punavi leaders said to the gorillas. These people speak the same language. You should let them be together. So the gorillas put Steve back in the same room with Tim and Bunny. Steve shared the verses with Tim and Bunny that had come to his mind on the walk into the village, and later, at a time when the guards were quite relaxed, he fixed the radio so that no one other planes could be called in. Steve kept listening for the sound of the plane. He remembered that the gorillas had promised, if you help us, we'll let you go. But as the sun went down and the sky turned dark, he knew the plane was not going to come. One thought stayed in his mind, which he shared with Tim and Bunny. God is allowing all these things to happen for their good, according to Romans 8, verse 28. Meanwhile, back at the mission headquarters, nobody noticed anything was wrong until about 4 o'clock in the afternoon when Paul had a Bible study scheduled with someone, but there was no Paul. That was very unusual. By 7.30, it had been dark for quite a while, and everyone knew something was wrong. Jungle planes didn't fly after dark. Also, the radio had been silent all afternoon. No news, no plane, no idea what might be wrong. It was time to do something. That night, they reported the missing plane and called the main New Tribes Mission office. In North America. From there, people called the missionaries' relatives and a few churches. Soon, many people were praying for Tim, Bunny, Paul, and Steve, even before they knew exactly what to pray for. When Steve's wife, Betsy, heard that something was wrong, she decided not to tell the children anything until the next day. Maybe then the mission would know more about what was going on. But the children had heard other people talk. At bedtime, they asked their mother what had happened. Nine-year-old Kimberly had tears in her eyes. You mean gorillas might be holding daddy? She asked. But Paul had been preparing the children. They had been reading a book called All Things, Even Frisky. It was about a young boy learning to trust God with all things, even his dog Frisky. And it showed how true Romans 8.20 is. Remember the promise of God working all things together for good? Kimberly had told mama, her mom about the story of Tris Frisky and said, So we know all this is going to work out for good too? Yes. And a little while later, she was asleep. And that's where we're going to end our story today. It's a good promise, hey? That God will work all things together for good. Now, do you think he always works things out the way we want him to? Or the way we think it should be worked out? That's not what it's saying. But it does show us and tell us and promise us that God is in control. And he always wins. And he will... Um, make everything work together for his good and for our good, it just might look a little different than what we think it should. It is a really good promise for us to remember when life might not be working out the way we want it to. Maybe there's things happening in our lives that are scary or feel really out of control, and we can remember that God is in control and that he 
um, hasn't forgotten us and he will never leave us. And those promises can really help us in situations that are really tough. And just like Tim and Bunny were able to sleep and the girl was able to sleep, maybe we can also sleep knowing that God has our best in mind and is always in control. So I hope you have a great week and I look forward to hearing more of the story next week. Scripture reading today is from Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 5, go through 15. And when you pray, do not like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by man. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen, then your Father who sees what is done in the secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men when their their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Thus far the reading of God's word. Back in the 70s, Keith Green penned these words to a song about his life being a prayer to God. And the song is entitled, Make My Life a Prayer to You. Listen closely as I read the lyrics to the song. You make my life a prayer to you. I want to do what you want me to. No empty words you know I like. No token prayers, no compromise. I want to shine the light you gave. Through your Son you sent to save us. From ourselves and our despair, it comforts me to know you're really there. I want to thank you now for being patient with me. Oh, it's so hard to see when my eyes are on me. I guess I'll have to trust and just believe what you say. Oh, you're coming again, coming to take me away. I want to die and let you give your life to me so that I might live and share the hope you gave to me, the love that set me free. I want to tell the world out there you're not some fable a fairy tale that I made up in my head. You are God the Son. You have risen from the dead. I want to thank you now for being patient with me. Oh, it's so hard to see when my eyes are on me. I guess I'll just have to trust and just believe what you say. Oh, you're coming again, coming to take me away. I want to die and let you give your life to me so that I might live. I want to share the love that set me free. 
as we listen to the words of this song, it doesn't take us long to see the intense desire that the writer has for wanting to please God. He talks about his life as an actual being, a prayer unto God. In other words, he wants his life to be conformed to the will of God. His desire is so intense that he not only longs to die to his sinful nature, but also to go to heaven so that he will be totally and fully, so he will totally and fully experience the love of God. No doubt we can say that this is an authentic prayer. When you think of the phrase authentic prayer, what comes to your mind? If If there is such a thing as authentic prayer, then there must be also a prayer that is not authentic. And Jesus talks about two kinds of prayer in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 18, which John read that portion there. Jesus tells us how we ought not to pray and how we should pray. And this morning we want to look at four essential aspects of authentic prayer as outlined in the in Christ's model of the Lord's Prayer. And the message is entitled, Authentic Prayer. Authentic Prayer. What is authentic prayer? Will you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, as we pause before you, we thank you that more importantly than anything, that we desire to have your kingdom come as the scriptures tell us your kingdom come first starts within us and as you work within us it spreads to others for you work through individuals who are committed to you i pray lord that we would be those individuals committed to you it is so hard and so difficult to empty ourselves and yet lord when we rely upon you We know that you will work through us only as we come to complete surrender and to your will. I pray now as we look at authentic prayer, help us to align our wills and our hearts with yours so that we can do your bidding and your kingdom come. For this we pray, amen. Authentic prayer. Authentic prayer, number one, is based on a relationship. It's based on a relationship found in uh, verse 9. Chapter 6, verse 9. This, then, is how you should pray, Jesus tells his disciples. In verse 9, Jesus begins to give his disciples a model for the way that we are to pray. When we read Luke's account of the same event, Luke states that the disciples asked the Lord to teach them to prayer, to pray. It's quite evident that the idea and the concept of prayer is more caught than taught. The 12 followers of the Lord understood that Jesus had such an intimate relationship with the Father that they too wanted that same relationship. In other words, Jesus patterned it. Jesus lived it. And as I said already, it is more caught than it is taught. I have two nieces, one named Melissa and one named Crystal. Of course, today they're in their 30s. I remember when they were very young. Of course, Melissa being the older one and Crystal being the younger one, she followed her sister. She wanted to be 
just like her older sister in everything that she wanted to do. And I think about that as we pattern our lives after Jesus. We should have such a desire that we want to be like him. We want to have that same relationship with our Heavenly Father the way that Jesus had his relationship with his Heavenly Father. Jesus tells us the 12 that... Um, when they came to approach God, they were to call his father their father. The idea that Jesus was trying to communicate was that God is not some distant and personal being, but rather he was a loving, caring father who was interested in his children. Over and over again in the parables and his teachings, Jesus painted the picture of God being a loving Heavenly Father who was intensely passionate and concerned for his children. The parable of the prodigal indicates the love, the patience, and the forgiveness that God has towards a lost child. The parable of the lost sheep showed the length that the father will go just to find one of his children. And the parable of the friend in need indicates that he is more than willing to answer the prayer requests of his children. When we approach God, we can approach him with boldness, not the boldness of demanding, but rather the boldness that he is deeply interested and concerned about our welfare. He hears our cries. He hears our needs. And when he looks upon us, he wants to minister, not always to the way that we want him to minister, but to what is best for us as he reaches down and he touches our hearts our souls, and he changes us. How important we are to God. How important are we to God? And I guess that's a good question to ask. I heard a Christian comedian tell a story about how much he loved his children. He said that if the, bur- if there was a, if the building was burning right now while he was speaking, and he said if his son was in the building, and there were other people in the building, he said he would go and save his son because that would be his first responsibility and his first priority. It was to love his son first. Then he said, that's how much God loves us. He places us first because we are his children and he goes after us. We are his sons and we are his daughters. We have a relationship. God is our heavenly father and he wants the ultimate. He wants the best for us. And now I know the question is, is then why does God allow pain and suffering? And especially when it happens to our children. I know what pain and suffering is like because a number of years ago, I lost my son and he died in a car accident. And yet, in the midst of this, I I knew that God loved me. He loved my son. I realized more than ever, this world is not our home. It is a short time we are passing through. And so when he went to be with the Lord, I was saddened, but I was happy at the same time because now he was with his heavenly father. And we too 
can be with our Heavenly Father when we seek Him with all of our hearts. When I was 10 years old, I asked my dad who, who was closer to him. And I was curious about this. Being 10 years old, I said to him one day, are you closer to your brothers and sisters or are you closer to me? I wanted to know how much he really loved me. I will always remember his words when he said, I am closer to you because you are my son. And then he proved his love to me by making huge financial sacrifices by helping me to go go through college and seminary. He gave of himself, denied luxuries for himself in order to help me. Yes, I worked hard to go, but when I did not meet all of my own um or when I did not meet all of the financial requirements, my dad came along and helped me, and he did it sacrificially. That is the way our Heavenly Father goes out after us. And when we come before Him, we come with Him being our Heavenly Father. He loves us so much. The next next aspect of prayer is this. Authentic prayer... Authentic prayer is concerned about God's agenda. Authentic prayer is concerned about God's agenda. Verse 9b and 10 says this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Notice how Jesus begins his prayer. He doesn't list his wants or even his needs until later. He says, hallowed be your name. May your name be reverenced. May your name be honored. May your name be for and above all things. This shows us that the very name of God is sacred and that we are coming before him who is holy, awesome, majestic. He is above everyone else, everything. We are his subjects and we don't dare rush in and treat God without respect. He is set apart. He's above and we are honored to come into his presence. Then Jesus says, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our primary responsibility to God is to be is to is to advance him in our families, our lives, our church, our friends, our relationships and in the world. Nothing is more important than God's kingdom coming to bear on every aspect of this world, but every aspect of our lives. But it must begin with you and me. We dare not pray for others when we are not in line with God's kingdom. God's kingdom is most important. For his kingdom comes the moment he resides within our lives. His kingdom comes the moment we begin to walk in obedience in everything he tells us to do. And then it spreads because God is at work in and through us. 
when we begin to realize that we have entered the presence of the king of the universe, then we are about seeking to do what he wants us to do. Our thoughts will be focused on what God wants rather than on what we want. John Powell's says this in Prayer as Surrender. I like this story very much. He says, I have a sign in the mirror of my room. I see it every morning in my groggy condition when I first wake up. What have you got going today, God? I'd like to be part of it. Thanks for loving me. Then he goes on and he says this. I have to find my place in God's plan rather than to make my own little plans and then ask God to support them. Come on, God. God, give me an A in this course. Come on, God. Do this for me. Instead, I pray, what have you got going today, God? You love this world. You love this world into life. You, you created this world. You're, it's all yours. What part in the drama do you want me to play? I will play whatever part you say, whatever part you ask. Want me to be a success? I'll be a success for you. Want me to be a failure? I'll fail for you. Whatever you want. That's the condition of successful prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be gone. It first starts with us and surrendering to God completely. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We now come to the third category of authentic prayer, which is this number three, authentic prayer views our needs as genuine but secondary. Authentic prayer views our needs as genuine but secondary. Verse 11 tells us, Give us today our daily bread. Yes, we pray God to provide. It makes a big difference to view our lives from the kingdom perspective rather than our finite short lives because we're here for such a short time. As we ask God to provide the necessities for this day, we want to do this as we are standing on his promises that he will provide as we seek his kingdom first. And that is a prerequisite. We must seek his kingdom first. We must remember that God is not a giant Santa Claus who simply dishes out according to our lists of wants. Instead, God is our Heavenly Father who is deeply concerned about our needs. He wants us to petition Him. And when our desires fall in line with His desires, then the blessings will begin to pour down. Remember what I just said. When our desires fall in line with His desires and not the other way around, Sometimes we want God's desires to fall in line with ours. In other words, God, do what I want. But that's not the way it is, because that's not the way to true happiness and fulfillment. 
we often neglect the most important need in our life, which is our incompleteness without God. We cannot have peace or contentment until God is filling our lives. And when he fills our lives, everything comes into perspective. Everything comes into fulfillment in our lives, and we are fulfilled when God is at the center. Haddon Robinson tells this story. He says, When our children were small, we played a game. I'd take some coins in my fist. They'd sit in my, on my lap. I should say his children would sit on his lap and work to get his fingers open. According to the international rules of finger opening, he states, once the finger was open, it couldn't be couldn't be closed again. They would work at it until they got the pennies in my hand. They would jump down and run away, filled with glee and delight. Just kids, just a game. And sometimes when we come to God, we come for the pennies in his hands. Lord, I need a passing grade. Help me study. Lord, I need a job. Lord, my mother is ill. We reach for the pennies. When God grants the request, we push his hand away. More important than the pennies in God's hands is the hand of God himself. That's what prayer is all about. Close quote. Prayer is about developing a relationship with God. It's about enjoying Him fully. Prayer is not to get what we want, but it is to enjoy the presence of God. I have to say that again. Prayer is not to get what we want, but it is to enjoy the presence of God. Maybe you haven't heard that. Maybe both of us haven't contemplated that fully yet. Prayer is not to get what we want, but it is to enjoy the presence of God. When was the last time you prayed that you didn't want to get off your knees? When was the last time you didn't want to leave God's presence because you were enjoying him so much? You see, when we begin to enjoy God to the fullest, that is when our prayer becomes authentic. When we relish God and he's a part of everything that we do, but he is also the very center. Now we come to the last aspect of authentic prayer, which is authentic prayer encompasses pardoning, and being pardoned. Authentic prayer encompasses pardoning and being pardoned found in verses 12 through, first, 12 through 15. Verse 12 says this, Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. One of the greatest needs is to be forgiven. And this can't happen unless we are willing to forgive others who have wronged us and who have failed us. Forgiveness has to do with canceling a debt that someone is unable to pay for. 
And when someone sins against us, there's sometimes there's nothing they can do to make it better. When we forgive someone, we are releasing them from making the payment. That is difficult, but it is not impossible with God's help. A matter of fact, when God will forgive, uh, pardon me, a matter of fact, whether God will forgive us hinges on whether we will forgive those who have wronged us. Jesus then states in verses 14 and 15, listen to what he has to say. He says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sin, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. These verses assure us that if we pray and we ask God to forgive us, but if we have an unforgiving spirit, then God will not grant us forgiveness. It's like having a fistful of money. The money in our hands represent the forgiveness that we can impart to others if we have the money in our hand. If we refuse to open our hand to forgive others and to forgive someone else, this makes our fist close, which means we can't receive the forgiveness that God has for us. When we close our spirits to others because they have sinned against us, we also close ourselves to the forgiveness of God. So this morning, we ask ourselves, what is authentic prayer? It is prayer based on a relationship of being a child of God. It is having an attitude that is concerned with seeking God's kingdom first. It presents genuine needs. It is willing to be pardoned and to pardon others. Our prayer may not contain every aspect of the Lord's prayer every time we come before the Lord, but it will become evident whether we are in prayer for our will to be done or whether we are in prayer for God's will to be done. I close with this illustration, which I believe is an excellent example of authentic prayer. A visitor to the White House when Lincoln was president with Lincoln for three weeks as a guest one night soon after the Battle of the Bull Run, this visitor could not sleep. Suddenly he heard a loud voice proceeding from the room where the president slept. He got up and walked towards the door, which was partly open. Then he saw the president kneeling before an open Bible. The light was turned low. The president's back was to the door, and he did not know that he was being watched. In pietous and solemn tones, the president was praying, Thou God that heard Solomon in the night when he prayed and cried for wisdom, hear me. 
I cannot lead this people. I cannot guide the affairs of this nation without thy help. I am poor and I am weak. O God, you heard Solomon when he cried for wisdom. Hear me and save this nation. And God did hear and he saved the nation because this man trusted in God and placed him first and asked God for the wisdom to lead. What a friend we have in Jesus All our sins and grace to Apostle Paul speaks about authentic prayer. Listen as he writes in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. He says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come to you in prayer and that as we pour out our lives before you, we simply ask your kingdom to come and may it start in our hearts here today. 
as we surrender completely and we walk before you a life of obedience and we surrender every aspect. And when we can't do it, we call on you even more and you have promised you will meet us at every step of the way. I pray now that as we go our separate ways into a new week, help us to make you first in everything we do and help us more than ever before to enjoy our prayer with you that we won't want to leave that time as in spending communion with you. Thank you for the day you have given us and may we walk according to your word. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen.